Okay. Here we go. feedback on the first one Woo-hoo! yeah everybody seemed to like it so uh i guess without further ado let's go ahead and get the part two you ready to do this buddy yes i am all right let's do this um well you know my uh i've been temping at this company for a while it's been like seven months and i'm about to get my uh permanent papers but of course before they can just give me the keys i had to do some tests and take an application so come to find out i was supposed to have taken a drug test before i got hired uh even as a temp they they drug test everybody oh well they know that no so they uh, i guess my temp company they forgot to test me so they just actually gave me a drug, like, the dude just came in and was like, hey, man, take this, uh, hey, you taking your drug test? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, I need you to take this before they can hire you full time. So um, I went up there Friday and took the drug test. I mean, of course, I'm clean. I don't do drugs or anything. Um, so, I mean, I'm not worried about passing it or not. But, um... It was weird after they gave me the drug test because, or when he gave me the paperwork to go do the drug test because it felt like everybody was treating me weird the rest of the day. I don't know if they expected me to fail or they just, I don't know if they just stopped believing in me or what happened exactly, but 
felt like they was, you know, kind of looking me more deeper in the eyes. Like, wait to see if I... Wait to see if you was already high? Yeah. They wanted to see if I was going to turn my head or turn my eyes away. I know, yeah, like, smell the shirt. But, uh, I went and did that, and, uh, when I went to the drug test facility, it felt like the lady who worked behind the counter was trying to make me nervous, because she kept staring at me, and then they're very abrupt. Like, their whole job is just to sit at the counter and get people's information so they can go piss in the cup. Yes. You know, calm down with the, uh, calm down with the whole attitude. We don't need your attitude. So, she's... You know, people are nervous enough. You, unless you take drug tests all the time, you don't really know the routine, and they don't explain anything. They no. don't have any paperwork, and it's very impersonal. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no signs on the wall or like this is what you're gonna do first, this is what you're gonna do second. So basically, you come in there, and the lady, I just like walked up to the lady. I was like, yeah, I'm here for a drug test, and she's like, pre-employment or random or something. I was like, uh, pre-employment. She was like, give me your license. What's your social security card? I was like, what is she, the police? They didn't say nothing about social security card on my paperwork. She's like, well, write your social security card down. And she took my license. And she's like, write your name on this. And then she just didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, am I supposed to go sit down? Am I supposed to just wait on you to finish writing? And then she kind of gave me a look like, go sit down. And I went and sat down for a while. And then I wait. She asked me some other question, and then like I think for my telephone number. And then the uh, a couple minutes passed, and then this dude came and asked me to come in the back. And um, basically, he he just he had my license and everything. He's like, all right, here's a cup. You need to fill it up to this line. Go to the bathroom. Don't flush. Um, yeah. Don't wash your hands. So I I don't know how flushing or whatever. I don't know how how you cheat the system. Yeah, but they got. And I know when I took mine, they had everything taped. They had the toilet seat taped. They had the seat taped. Yeah, everything they had was behind taped. the stuff taped. And they was like, "Don't flush the toilet." And I was like, "Okay." Um, I'm like, "You? How can you cheat when you got everything?" Take up. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, I thought it was kind of gross because for a second I thought, wash my hands. You know, after I peed in the cup, I was like, okay, so well, I'm going to wash my hands because the sink's taped up. Yeah, I didn't know. But, uh, you know, you walk out and he get, took me to a sink and then he, I had this cup full of pee past his line. And he was like, um, he just took like a little bit of the pee and put it in the cylinder or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, why are you wasting all that pee, you know? <laughs> I, that was a lot of that was a lot of piss that I had. I, I drank a lot before I got there so I could pee. And then he wasted it all. I mean, Miguel, you know, one of those fighters, those Mexican boxers might have wanted to try that pee. Who knows, I mean, yeah. I got some premium grade, you know, grade you A top pee. of the line. So, um, but anyway, he uh, took the cup and... Uh, it just, the whole experience made me think, like, I've been working there for seven months. I show up on time. I do all my work. I'm reliable. They know me. And a, a drug test to come from temp to hire when you've been working there for seven months, it's really more like a prenup. You know, it's like yeah. 
it's like, hey, we've been engaged for a while. We've been yeah. living together. I like you. And, you know, we've been splitting these bills, and I've been taking care of you. You've been taking care of me, and everything's going good. But uh, I'm going to need you to sign this paper before we can make this official. Yeah, because if you ain't right, I'm out. Yeah, so I don't know what happens if you get a positive drug test. I'm oh, assuming you, you don't get hired. Yeah, yeah, you don't get hired. So, I don't know. I'm still there, so obviously my shit wasn't positive at all. There was nothing to report, but I don't know. It was, just, it was just a weird experience, and I don't know. Anybody that hasn't taken a drug test before, that's what it's like. Um, so, anyway, let's move on. Talk about some more movies. I've been watching some movies on Netflix, catching up with uh, a bunch of uh, old stuff that I haven't seen that people say is good, and we also went to the movies. Um, and we went to the movies and we uh, saw Sherlock Holmes. That was a great movie. It was good. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, Guy Ritchie is the same dude that did uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. He did Rock and Roller. Okay. So uh, he does really good work. And his cinematography and his like one-liners and humor are, are great in that movie. It, it was well executed and the uh, friendship between Sherlock Holmes and uh, his boy, it was like, you felt their relationship, you felt they love, hate yeah. for each other. Sherlock and Watson. Yeah, Watson. Yeah, and what I liked about it is they really went into like how those great powers of deduction could make Sherlock Holmes a, a kind of an asshole. He wasn't, he wasn't a dude that seemed, that was nice to be around because he was just so uh, abrasive and he couldn't turn his mind off and they do a good job getting into that and the psychosis of, you know, this mastermind uh, detective. And they also did a good job with the storytelling and the cinematography. Yes, they did. Um, that's something that Guy Ritchie has always excelled at. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't, I, I was kind of surprised because normally his, his movies are ensemble pieces where they follow this character for a minute and they follow that character for a minute. And in the end, it kind of all comes together like a good heist movie. This was more like a linear story, but the way he broke it up and told the story, it was really impressive. Yes, it was, because you began to see how Sherlock Holmes' mind ticked and mm-hmm. how he thought, the way he thought, and kind of most why he did what he did. And, and you began to understand the character better. Yeah, and the colors and the fashion, all that stuff was off the hook. And it was funny. It was very funny. Yes, it so, was. Um, That's a must-see, y'all. Yeah, definitely want to see that. Got to see that. Um, Then I watched some movies without you, or I don't know if you saw me watching bits and pieces, but I don't think you watched any. Uh, I saw Black Hawk Down. I think I'm at with you. Um, That movie is weird. It's a lot of people really think it's a like a cinema classic, and it's just this perfect, like great movie. To me, it's like a documentary with uh, really high-end special effects and a really good budget. Because it's not really a story. It's more like someone wrote down a sequence of events and then had everyone act them out and film them. As opposed to like a movie where there's a plot, there's a resolution, there's a, you know, there's a peak and there's an end and there's certain conflict, there's heroes, there's, you know, there's anti-heroes. This was more like at 6 o'clock the shooting started and this dude, got shot you know it was more like yeah. that and then this plane went down and this helicopter went down so while that 
it did the one thing it did deliver on is it was i can see where that kind of inspired like call of duty modern warfare the video game because mm-hmm. it gives you yeah. that intense it has that very intense like bullets coming from everywhere yeah, yeah. you know you, you stay to you know stay strapped to the wall uh, you, you know, look out for this. Guy, look out for this guy. He's coming down this way. Yeah. You never know who's an enemy and who's not. That's true. They do a good job of just that intense feeling. It's, I mean, you really feel like you had almost like a workout when you get done watching the movie. It's almost like you spent that time with them in war, where, where it's like overwhelming odds. And I mean, the amount of enemies, bad guys, whatever. Off the chain. Yeah, it's like a video game. You shoot two of them and two more pop up out of another door and you know, <laughs> they got rocket launchers and I mean, it's like, where yeah, the fuck they get all these guns sent, Tell them about them coming and stuff like that. So it was interesting. Yeah, you're in Somalia and they got more guns in the army. So it was just crazy. Um, an intense movie. Um, I also saw The Princess Bride which I had never seen before, which is like a big time classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people swear by this movie. I thought it was excellent. It was a really good movie. It was a fantasy movie, kind of along the lines of like Willow and, okay. um, you know, just those old 80s fairy tale movies. Um, Fred Savage is in it um, as a little boy that, that, that his grandfather is telling him this story, and then the story comes to life, and then that's the actual characters in the uh, that are in the movie that are acting out the story um it was real good i i thought that uh i mean it was funny sweet uh it's just uh, it was a fairy tale it was just a fairy tale movie um and can't help but kind of laugh and there's some you know there's actually some pretty gangster scenes in this movie for a kids movie because the uh not the main good guy but his kind of sidekick Inigo Montoya Montoya he was off the chain he he had he wanted to avenge his father's death and he was uh his whole his whole thing was just I'm gonna find this man who killed my father and he has a just this gangster scene at the end where he's like all stabbed up and he's still trying to fight through it to try to to beat uh, this bad guy and then um there's another scene where the main guy who, you know, who is looking for his girlfriend throughout this movie or whatnot, he's on a mission to get her, to save her. He gets, like, paralyzed, and then you're not really sure if he can fight yet or not by the end of the movie because, you know, he's just having this, he's struggling. And he gives this speech that is just so gangster that he met, I mean, it's just gangster, like, it, it was off. It was off the chain. I mean, it's a freaking twenty-year-old movie, so I hope I'm not ruining it for anybody. But if you don't want to hear spoilers, take the next thirty. Yeah, take the next thirty seconds off. But <clears throat> all right, you gone. All right. Um, he is paralyzed and he can barely walk, and he uh, gives his speech um, to the main bad guy, and he makes the main bad guy put his sword down and sit in a chair. And then the girl ties him up before he realizes that the dude can barely walk. Like it was just, but the speech was just that gangster. And then the last movie, the last movie I watched was Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. It's a Jim Carrey movie. A lot of people think it's Jim Carrey's uh, best movie. Um, I think people 
believe that because it was during a time where he was doing a lot of silly movies and it got to the point where no one wanted to see that shit anymore. Well, in this movie, he kind of, uh, he kind of goes, um, and does a dramatic movie and the cinematography in this movie is so great. The concept is off the hook. It's, like, it seems like it would be just, like, when I read the description, I was like, oh, I don't want to see a romantic type movie. Okay. But it's not really a romantic comedy or anything. It's kind of a drama. Yeah. Comedy, maybe. Yeah, I think I've seen bits and pieces of that with you. That's when he was with that girl, and they yeah. were talking, and she, and he was like, uh, well, um, you, you came to me, because she was messing with him, and she was harassing him, but act like he was harassing her. Yeah, well, that was part of it, but it uses the same independent movie formula that a lot of movies use, where you have a weird single white guy, and he uh, is very socially awkward, and of course he meets this weird chick who's digging him for kind of almost for no reason, and this happens in a whole lot of independent, like these artsy romantic movies, and... Of course, the girl is way hot and all this stuff, but, you know, she's weird. She got piercings or her hair is done different or something. Her clothes are crazy. And from there on, this kind of becomes a love story. But what happens is one day he wait, he uh, goes to see her and finds out that she basically had her memory erased of him. And so he goes to get the same procedure done. And then the rest of the movie is kind of a trip through his mind of his memory being erased and it's cool because it's like they represent that visually so you know if there was a time where they were like driving somewhere and they got in an argument like the car might start to disappear or you know and as the memory's being erased he's forgetting her and you know he he realizes while while this is happening that happening he realizes i don't want to go through this process i don't want to forget her so it was an excellent movie, um, just A plus all around. That was it was it was uh, it was just cool. It's a heartwarming tale, and it's kind of at the same time it's kind of psychedelic and trippy. So I really liked it. It was some of his best work. I don't know this is my favorite Jim Carrey movie. Okay. Um, because I still do like him when he's silly. I do too. I like some movies. I like me, myself, and Irene. Yeah, that's one of my personal favorites. Yeah, yeah, movies that people don't give him a lot of credit for, I like. So, um, anyway, on to the next topic. What's up with you and these old black men in the stores? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, yeah, um, seems like old black men now is getting kind of frisky. I have was at the store. And uh, I was paying for some water and some chips I had got. And that's the candy I had bought. And I had seen the old man. He was on my right-hand side. And so he came up behind me. And when I turned around, he was, like, right in front of me, like, face-to-face. And I was like, okay, are you trying to rob me? I well, he had got that close to you. Yeah, and he did it quick. I didn't realize old people were quick on their feet. You know, his arthritis must have been feeling good that day. I, I, I don't know. My anger was probably feeling good. <laughs> feeling real good. But see, I had a big old coat on, so he was, if he was trying to rub my butt, I, I'm, I highly disappointed him because it's not summertime. So he didn't catch a feel. But uh, if he would have tried to, he would have been highly uh, disappointed. Um, 
All I gotta say is old people are very aggressive nowadays. He said he was talking to my mom about it. She said, "Yes, I was talking to his mom about it, and uh, she was saying that she's had um, older men do that to her periodically." She said she'd be standing at the line, they'd just slowly creep up behind her and try to rub a feel on her butt. And so she would be like, well, I either move away, and if they didn't get the point, she would actually get out of line and get back at the end of the line. But, you know, I try to respect old people, but, you know, you start the feeling, I, I can touch you back. And I almost smacked them because I was like, okay, back up, back up, Grandpa. Mm -hmm. A little too close. Well, I can't wait till I get old because sound like it's a bunch of old men feeling old people and getting away with it. So. And that's only because they old. Mm -hmm. I guess the arthritis can move in their fingers after all. Being gay still <laughs> work. <laughs> <laughs> so, you uh, you ever be having a slow day at work? Like you eat a lot for lunch or something, you feel kind of like you ain't go to sleep? Or yes. I found out, I figured a way around it. I figured out how to, uh, I don't think this, I don't know if this works for everybody, but been working for me lately. If I ever feel like I need energy at work, I just start singing old Negro spirituals, and it it works. <laughs> I see I see why the slaves are singing them uh, because apparently it helps you get through tough days at work. When, yeah, you got weighed in the water. My favorite is Ezekiel Saw River. Ezekiel Saw the river way in the middle of the air. That's another classic. Yeah, you gotta, all the Negro spirituals, you gotta have a, the deep voice when you sing. You can't sing in your normal voice. You gotta do. No, you, know, you gotta sing with some pain. In the water. You gotta sing like you've been getting whooped all day. Unless <laughs> 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 you don't get the same feeling. But I know it's, it's funny, but next time you're feeling like that, give it a try, man. Start coming. You know, I'm in some Negro spirituals, and I guarantee the day will go by a little bit faster. If nothing else, you'll laugh at yourself all day, which will make your day go by just as quick. You don't laugh. It's sad, especially when you do it by yourself. But, I don't know. I but you get a group funny. of people together, you might have a good time. No, no, don't tell. Don't listen to her. Don't don't tell people <laughs> at your job about this. Don't get fired trying to be funny. Just kind of hum it to yourself in your head. Someone needs to release a, a CD of old Negro spirituals on like iTunes or something. I would buy that. And <laughs> I, I would download it uh, for fun, and then I'll play it at parties. Uh, I invite, invite all my white friends over to play it at parties and make them feel guilty. See if I can get them to vote for Obama. All right. Well, um, the next thing um, on Twitter, I put up, I put out something that said. Um, at, we're both on Twitter. My Twitter address is at Rodimus Prime. And what's yours? My Twitter address is Y00227Y as in the letter Y. Alright, and I put a tweet out that said um, if anyone had anything they wanted to hear us talk about on the show, just to hit me up. And Angry Black Man DC, uh, he has his avatar is a picture of the Angry Black Man from the old Martin episodes. Um, yeah, he's a funny dude, man. He he's funny. Dragonfly Jones. There's a bunch. There's like a clique of these dudes that they they keep me laughing all day long. Uh, at, at Insanity Report. They're just a bunch of people. You see me interacting with them on Twitter. Just go ahead and follow them too, because 
in order to get the whole picture and the whole joke, sometimes you got to be following people uh, yeah. that I follow. Because I'll talk to people, you know, like Wayne O, uh, 119. I'll talk yeah, to him funny. all day. And, if, you know, if you only see my half of the tweet, you're probably missing their jokes, too. But, um, anyway, he asked me something that wasn't funny. He asked me about the Eagles, and he wanted me to break down the loss to the Cowboys, which I probably remember the first three quarters of, because I knew we was going to lose. Um, I don't really believe in the Eagles. I haven't believed in the Eagles for a long time, uh, because we have a terrible fucking coach. Uh, and I don't mean terrible like Andy Reid can't coach at all. I just mean like he has gaping flaws in his coaching strategy, and they're always going to come to bear in the playoffs against good teams. And one thing that he did, um, first of all, the Cowboys were a better team than us this year. Yes, they were. And I, I never didn't think that. I mean, I talk shit because we beat them 44-6 last year. But I knew that that was going to be the last time I got to talk shit about the Cowboys for a while. So I talked shit to them before we played them, and then that was that was it. But um, <clears throat> basically, uh, I watched the game, and we ran the ball for a total of 13 times. Wow. 13 times for about maybe 60 yards. They ran the ball 37 times. Oh, wow. So, um, they actually ran the ball, or 35 times, they actually ran the ball almost as much as we threw the ball. Um, and that has been a trend with Andy Reid forever. Um, a lot of people want to blame McNabb, a lot of people want to blame um, the defense and things like that. I really think uh, the key to our problems is we didn't have a healthy Westbrook. No. Um, he didn't have one rushing attempt during the game. He caught one pass. So this isn't like we've – Westbrook is such a key to our offense that not having him basically means we don't have a run game. When we have Westbrook, what we basically do is McNabb will, will roll out or he'll, he'll hike the ball, look downfield. If the receivers are open, he'll chuck it down right down to uh, – to uh, Westbrook for like a three to five yard pass play. Sometimes he breaks it for twenty yards. Sometimes he just catches it and drops and falls. But it's like having a running game because he's turned around catching that ball and immediately uh, you got five yards out of that. And he's moving the chains and right. And with that too, I mean, like when you talked about the thing about football, it's about the possession. How long did you possess the ball? And that right there, a lot of times will make a break because in most games where they give you the statistics at the end of the game, normally the team that has the ball the longest wins. It's exceptions to that, but most of the time the team that um, has the ball the longest. Yeah, and we not. And the thing is, I love Donovan McNabb. I don't think he's as good as like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or maybe even Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, but he hasn't really been in their situations either where no. um, the, where they really kind of only had to do whatever they had to do. Like, he's kind of had to carry the load a lot of the time. And this is the first time they kind of got a good wide receivers around him. But with no Westbrook, it's like not having that star. It's like not having that, that true... Uh, playmaker on the team that can make those plays between 1 to 10 yards. If we were making all kinds of plays 
that were over 10, over 20 yards. But it's like if you didn't get that play, then you were going to get like a one-yard run or something. So, And the way Andy Reid abandons the run so quickly is it's just it's very predictable. It's getting boring to watch sometimes. And even though I'm a, a, a huge fan, I've never, I've never uh, turned my back on the team. I just I know that the Eagles are what they are. And I'm, I'm, I can't even say I'm disappointed anymore when we don't win. It's more like, well, I didn't think we were going to win the whole thing, so when are we going to lose? And they're so schizophrenic. You can't tell from one game to the next what you're going to get. Um, so uh, I, I can't even get too mad at them. I, I wasn't very, I wasn't disappointed, honestly. I wasn't even mad. But I did get a little bit uh, inebriated that night because I knew it was going to be a long night. So I bought me like some seven dollars sake. It was good too. Yeah, and I basically drank that all night. He drank, he drank the bulk of the bottle, y'all. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I, I actually felt like it was fine by the fourth quarter. It was like I was ready to go anyway. But um, you know, uh, there's still more football to watch. What I want to see now is what can the Cowboys do with this momentum? Because yeah. in my opinion. They're playing the best of any team in the playoffs right now. So if they don't actually uh, win it all, I think they have to start thinking: Are we choking? How to is like they shouldn't be satisfied with one playoff win and then going out because right now they're ar- they're arguably the best team in the playoffs. So they better come out and prove that. Yeah, because they really don't have any major injuries or anything like that. They there's like you're like wow. He they have no injuries. They, they don't have any players on IR at all. They have no major injuries. They should win. They are the healthiest team. They're playing the best. They've actually beat the Saints uh, when the Saints were playing for that record. So yeah. there's no excuse now. If they don't win, they choked, and that's really all it is to it. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, Let's do some current events. You ready for some current events? Yes, I am. You heard about what Harry Reid said about President Obama? Yeah. Yeah, just, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard this, but just in case somebody's been living under a rock, I'll read just his main comments, which was, uh, he basically, he had, he was getting interviewed for his book called Game Change, uh, which is a book about the, uh, the campaigns uh, from 2008 for, uh, you know, Palin and McCain and uh, Obama and Biden. And they interviewed Harry Reid in a private conversation, um, and he said that Obama was going to be electable because he was light-skinned, and he spoke with no noticeable Negro dialect unless he wanted to. Um, I agree. I can't really, people got mad, some people think that's wrong, all I can say is maybe people are more upset because a white person has said it, but he's not wrong in my opinion. Or it may be the way that he said it, and and I think for the fact that he used to wear a Negro turned about people off, but a lot of times when people state a fact, regardless of how they phrase it, it's still a fact. Yeah, I I don't really like this trend of even when a white person that has a history of helping out with civil rights and being on the forefront of helping support minorities says something and people want to just take that 
that little clip of a statement and try to destroy their whole careers. Um, this Republicans, of course, were going to get mad because they're Republicans, and you know, right now it's just we're in that whole gotcha type phase where it's like, okay, you said this, well, now we're after you, and you know, vice versa, if, you know, but. One thing that I uh, I heard from this was a lot of Republicans were like, well, if you're a Republican and you say something like that, then you're racist. And what I got to say for that is you earned it. Like, this is what you this is what you want. Like, not every I don't think all Republicans are racist or anything, but it's like when you say something suspect and you have a history of not courting the black vote. You know, a lot of there's a lot of animosity towards minorities in general throughout the party, or at least perceived animosity. And you have years and years of history on your side of, you know, the senators that were pro segregation are in your party. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so when when a guy like say Trent Lott makes a statement that seems racist and has a history of voting against the the, the National Voting Rights Act, shit like that, maybe he will get labeled as racist for saying something more, con- you know, controversial like this. Because, you know, it should be taken within, in context of your entire being. So, I'm not saying that that means Trent Lott is racist or not. I don't know. But what I do know is these other, uh, these, that I know that Harry Reid is a dude that has been on the front lines with uh, black people through the civil rights era and through um, through just different struggles that we've had. So it's going to be kind of hard to paint him in the same light as Trent Lott is what. And that's true. That's what a lot of people were trying to do. And unless Republicans do accept that, hey, we do want to bridge this gap between black people and Republicans because it is a real gap and. I know a lot of them are kind of like, let's why even worry about it? Let's just give up, and um, maybe that's maybe you know if that's what that's the strategy you want to take, which is, you know, they're only twenty percent of the populace. Why worry about them? Then yeah, every time you say something, people are gonna think that it's coming from a bad place because they know that you won't deal with us. Um, so uh, you know, I, while I don't really agree with it as far as uh people who are trying to come down on Harry Reid and say he's uh, this might be a racist comment. I, I don't agree with that. I see why people are saying it, which is basically a white person says something about race, and it wasn't all, uh, you know, hunky-dory. It wasn't all roses. So they're going to pick, pick apart everything he said and try to make it way bigger than it is. And I think it's, I think it's wrong. Um... I think people need to lay off, really. Yeah. Um, and it's distracting besides the point, yeah. you know. And, and, and that's the time, too, where he should have had a black person say, hey, you might want to rephrase that. It's okay to yeah. say that, but you might want to rephrase it a little differently. You know, we all need each other as much as people don't say. Black people need white friends. White people need black friends to help yeah. you when, when you get in them trouble spots. Yeah, I think one thing that they should have learned from this is that all... Uh, Politicians and businesses need at least one black person on the staff that's, you know, kind of like that old black man that Chappelle was talking about that just pops out and says, Don't do that, nigga, that's 510. Oh, yeah. Like, they just need that dude 
working at, you know, KFC or something. So when they make a racist commercial, he could just be like, no, no, we don't, yeah. we're not putting out this shit. Or, oh, so they can tell them, every time I see a KFC commercial, we want a black dad too. I was always a mom and four kids. Why can't it be a, a mom, a dad, and four kids? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a whole different bag of words. Oh, yeah. Just in general, yeah, get you a black person on staff, and things should go a little bit smoother. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, oh, and then I was coming home, and Sean Hannity was on, and they were talking about this. And he, and I guess because it's a black topic, quote-unquote, Sean Hannity didn't want to, like, speak up for himself. So this, like, conservative black dude called in, and this other black dude called in from Detroit that was supposed to be, like, more radical, quote-unquote. And so he just kind of, like, backed off the line and let them debate it out. I couldn't even finish the after the first sentence of the debate. The, quote-unquote, liberal black dude, the radical one, he started off his sentence with, like, I'm not like these other black people that's just trying to fit in. You know, I'm trying, I'm from a part, I speak for part of America, you know, the black part uh, of America. And, you know, for what I would like to call the hood. And I just f- cut the fucking radio off. That, that, is, that is some ignorant shit. Yes, that what, what is wrong with you? What is wrong? What is wrong? I, if I felt like uh, Chris from the uh, Insanity Report, that podcast I listened to, um, I really felt like him for a second where I got mad and I had to cut it off because I can't live that way all day I can't sit around mad all day so no. I cut the shit off because it was I got mad just listening to like that that's just as ignorant as any uh, conservative viewpoint talking about I speak for the hood and this brother he speaks for everybody else like I don't know if they playing that as some type of skit or if yeah. those two idiots really called in trying to speak for all of black America on Harry Reid's comments but uh-huh. I was disgusted I cut that shit off um, I don't blame you sports let's do a little bit of sports real quick and then wrap it up cool Pete Carroll you saw what happened with him he's leaving um, he's leaving USC to go be the coach for his, the Seattle Seahawks oh yeah which is definitely a a great a, a downgrade in his job, um, but I think he's doing it because they have a bunch of NCAA investigation going on. Yeah, they sniffing at his front door. Yeah, I think he's pulling the Kaiser Sose and trying to walk out of the uh, police station and then get his limp right, hop in the limo and go drive me up to Seattle, man. So uh, I think he's um I think he's he's running away. I, I was listening to the Bomani Jones new show. Um, uh, the Morning Jones on Hardcore Radio. Check that out on HardcoreRadio.com, listeners. Uh, it's a three. It comes on from seven to ten. It's a really good show. Yes, it is. That's my homeboy. Uh, check him out um, on Twitter, also at Vamani underscore Jones. Um, but uh, I, someone on there wrapped it up perfectly. They just said that he was like the Nero in Heat, where when the shit started falling apart and the heat is on your ass. You get you gotta make up your never get involved in something where you can't make up your mind in thirty seconds to leave. And that's what it looks like. It was like Pete Carroll said, This shit is falling apart. I got to go. Peace and he's out, so um other thing, Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. You heard about him too, he's leaving Tennessee. Yeah, um I think first of all, people getting on Lane Kiffin you're wrong. 
you would leave Tennessee to you for USC, USC too. too. Yeah. There's no way he knew about this job before he took the Tennessee job yeah. last year. No one thought the USC job was coming open forever because Pete Carroll has been entrenched there, living a good life, having an easy job basically every year for you know the past like decade or some shit. Mm-hmm. So I, no one thought he was leaving. Um, oh no. But if USC comes calling and you live in Tennessee, you're on the first thing smoking. Yeah, wouldn't you rather be in the sunny California than in the mountains in Tennessee? Yeah, and then they had, uh, you saw they had riots after he left? Yeah, they, they, were, they were saying that the um, after he gave his speech, they were saying that the players and like the fans was outside like waiting on him and yeah. like... Chasing his car. Yes. Wow. I don't know what that thing is because they're they're actually gonna be better off with him leaving because they are. He's leaving behind him a trail of gun violations and crimes (laughs) and shit. Like they should have been thinking about getting rid of him. I know he's real. uh, uh, He's he's really like uh, and captivating or whatever. He's real captivating, I guess. He's, he's one of those people that really draws you in. He has a lot of charisma, but he got to get out of town. That's why. I don't blame him. Yeah, so. And then, uh, a little short, Blake Griffin getting knee surgery. He's out for the year. The year, dog. What's up with these number one draft picks, man? I don't know, man. It, as soon as the Clippers drafted him, he knew he was doomed, but I thought he would at least get to play a game. I mean, this is the, the NBA's kind of taking a hit a little bit with these top draft picks because you don't you don't get to see them play. No, you don't. And they basically gave the Clippers like five or six games on national TV because everyone thought Blake Griffin would be playing. And now you got to watch Chris Kamen and Baron Davis and Marcus Camion. It's not the same. No, it's not. Um, and then... They ought to be like the NFL. They ought to be like, hey, we should be able to change this. If yeah. something happens, we need to be able to put a Lakers or a Spurs game in that spot. Yeah, they need a flex schedule. Um, and then the last thing is Mark McGuire. He came out and admitted he did steroids. I was so surprised. I couldn't believe it. I was not surprised. Not Big Mac. Not Big Mac. <sighs> not Big- when he put on that 50 pounds of muscle in 2003... I just thought he was working real hard. Oh. And when his home run numbers went up, I said, that's just because he's got his mechanics even better than they were last year. Oh, so really? The 50 home run jump, shit, that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, I was just, uh, but, he's, but he came out and he told, he told everybody, he said, look, I took steroids, but these steroids did not help me play baseball. They, they didn't at all? No, he was just taking them, you know, like some people take multivitamins, uh, some people might, you know, try to take a, a, eat some chocolate candy or something before the game, like Lamar Odom. He takes steroids. It's, it's just, it's how he got his mind right, how he got focused, and uh, I really feel like he's getting a, you know, getting a, it's not a fair shake. All these people talking about he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because steroids helped him. Oh, uh, he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, I don't know why not, because some people call it cheating, but Mark McGuire saved the MLB. Now that he did with him and Sammy Sosa, yes. Yeah, they saved it. If it weren't for that, a lot of people probably, especially younger people, probably wouldn't even be fans of baseball. He sacrificed his body 
and his career for for you, the for, fans. for the fans. He, he's not going to the Hall of Fame so you can enjoy a friendly game of baseball and take your son out there to watch it and worship these stats. So I think everybody should forgive him and realize that, you know, if it wasn't for him sacrificing his integrity, uh, and yes, of course, he made millions and millions of dollars, and uh, yes, he had to go before Congress, and they, but, but, but he did it for point. us. He did it for the fans, and you guys need to step up and appreciate this man instead of trying to bring him down all the time. So I think it's a lot of hating going on out there. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> so I think it's a lot of hate going out there, and they need to go ahead and forgive this man and move on. And to, I read an article today that said him and Jose Canseco are getting into it because Jose Canseco is saying, well, Mark McGuire is still saying uh, Canseco was lying about certain things. And, I mean, obviously I was joking about McGuire being trustworthy and shit, but um, one thing that does bother me is from day one, people have been hating on Jose Canseco because he wanted to sell a book. At least he was truthful. But everything in the book been right. Yes. Everything in the book been right. So you can hate all you want on this dude, but uh, you might want to go back and reread all the chapters because every time some new shit comes out, I just go, Wait a minute, didn't Jose say that? So, while everybody's hating and calling him a snitch and saying he's not trustworthy, violated the code, I get it, but you might want to read the book or at least stop acting surprised when the people from the book come out and say, yeah, I was on the steroids. So, when it comes down to whose word do I take over Mark McGuire or, Sammy, or uh, Jose Canseco, Jose Canseco all day, every day. Oh, yeah. All day, every day. Because he's been honest about it. And yes, he I has. believe every word that man has said, and I don't care how outlandish it is, yeah. I believe it. So um, until one of these players gives a real admission and gives me a reason to believe what they just said, I'm I'm riding with Jose. Yeah, and, and at least with Jose, he's a truthful pimp. At least he tell you up front, hey, girl, I'm a pimp. Yeah. You know I'm a pimp. I know I'm a pimp. So let's do this thing. Yeah, he's trying to sell his book. He's he Now, he believes in one code that he doesn't get any credit for, and that is the game is to be sold and not told. All these other dudes is just, just, telling, just telling on themselves. Jose was like, I'm going to tell on myself, but I'm about to get paid yes, sir. <laughs> when I do this shit. So I got... A lot of love for Jose. Uh, I would ride with him. Um, him and my girl Jay Wow from Jersey Shore. Y'all can roll with me anywhere. I know y'all got my back. And I know y'all some y'all honest cats. Down. So, alright, that wraps up the Black Guy Who Tips podcast for this time. Uh, I actually just did a new blog entry on my blog, which is theblackguywhotips.blogspot.com. So, everybody go check that shit out. Leave your comments and your feedback. Uh, also leave your comments and your feedback on this uh, podcast and let us know how we can make it better. Uh, we got some good reviews on uh, iTunes, yes. so we appreciate that. And everyone who responded back on Twitter and let us know what you think of it, we appreciate that. We do. We will keep trying to crank these out at least one a week. Um, maybe during the real busy weeks we might do two, but um, I think that's it. Anything else you want to add? Nah. Alright, well, I love you. I love you too, sexy. Alright, and we out.